They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Excuse me. Do you want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal. Thanks. Wow. Three celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.e forward slash music. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and today's guest is Mark Flanagan the founder and editor of Run Spot Run, an online book review website, and the instigator behind Infinite Winter, an online book club of several hundred readers who have banded together to jointly read David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest in celebration of the book's 20th anniversary. Mark, welcome. Thanks very much, Annie. So let's start with Infinite Winter. Tell me about it. Why, why did you start it? Well... Uh, I got my start with Infinite Jest uh, in 2009 when uh, Matthew Baldwin and a number of others launched Infinite Summer. And a whole host of us who hadn't read the book before joined in and read along. Uh, So um, that was my first exposure to Infinite Jest, and it was a wonderful way to go about it. Um, that was, I guess, seven years ago now, and I, I was feeling the itch to read it again. And it happened to be the 20th anniversary of Infinite Jest, and it seemed like a good time to try to bring a, a host of people together to do it once more. So, so this is the second time you've actually gone through this kind of group read. That's right. Are you finding yeah. it dramatically different the second time than the first? Oh. Yes. Um, well, the experience is similar. Uh, the group read experience is similar, but the book is dramatically different this time. Mm, in what ways? Have you read Infinite Jest? I'm embarrassed to say no. <laughs> I actually thought be... I would do it for this interview, but um, I couldn't get it done in time. <laughs> <laughs> that would be difficult. Yeah, I, I'll say that you're probably, I'm certain you're in the majority um, of people who, who haven't read Infinite Jest. Um, I, I have read The Pale know... King, but that probably doesn't count. What's that? I, I have read The Pale King, but that probably doesn't count. Oh, wow. That's, that's, uh, that's an impressive undertaking as well. Not, not for this uh, interview specifically. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, well, the second, the reason, um, well, you probably have a similar experience with the, the Pale King, actually, or you would if you'd read it twice. You know, with Infinite Jest, there are um, so many moving parts, so many different characters and so many different plot points. And it, and it all becomes like this, um, uh, one of the guides in Infinite Winter put it this way. It's like a, it's like a huge jigsaw puzzle. Uh, and at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the book, you know, uh, you are handed basically a, a small handful of pieces of these pieces of this jigsaw puzzle. And they don't necessarily fit together. And, and they're just sort of thrown at you by a madman. Okay. Um, and so you don't really know what to do with them. And as you're laying them down, it can be it can be frustrating at first, and that's why so many people start the book and and abandon it. And it sits on their shelves, and they look at it, and they think, "Well, I should read this," but um, it's it is it is a bit of an effort up front. Um, at in the second reading, I actually have an inkling as to where Wallace is going with these characters and these threads, and so. It is um, 
not only more satisfying, but there's sort of just this bit of excitement about being able to see some of the, the connections that I didn't see before. And I'm not actually a person who would typically read a book more than once, um, but in this case, it's it's really valuable. Mm. Yeah, uh, look, I completely understand about the second readings. I, I, I do read books more than once, and I find, uh, and as a reviewer, you know, sometimes writing the review is almost like a second reading. You know, you're delving back in and trying to put together those pieces, just as you've talked about. And uh, it's it's really where you stop being driven by the narrative and stop being driven by you know the gestalt, the the, sense, the overall sense of the book and the beauty of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I you know as a reviewer myself, I I um you know I take a lot of notes. My my readings of books are are kind of s- slower and considered more considered than if I was just reading it you know without thinking that I was going to go back and write about it. Um, so going back and, and going through those notes and kind of compiling what I want to say about the book is again, yeah, like you say, it's it's uh, it is very similar, very gratifying, and also, I mean, uh, I actually remember things because of it. So I'm I'm really uh, I really enjoy the the notion of a slow read. The you know speed reading is actually the opposite of what I want to do. Mm, yeah, I agree with you. So. Um... Talk to me a little bit about the, the idea of a group read, though. I mean, I, I, I imagine that there is positive and negative with it. Yeah, sure. Um, so how about I give you just a little bit of insight into how this came together. Um, I uh, When I hit upon this idea, I, I wasn't exactly sure how I'd go about it, but um, it seemed like a good idea if I got some other people involved. So I, I fortunately, the David Foster Wallace community is a huge and devoted one. So I ended up um, reaching out to a number of um, different folks who had different projects, um, artists. Uh, I'll tell you, there's there's one guy in, in uh, Australia who is a writer and an artist, although he um, – yes, uh, so this his name is uh, Nathan Seppelt. He's in Adelaide, and he um, – He's doing a great project called um, Drawing Infinite Jest, where he he draws uh, a page a day of infinite jest. And um, it's fantastic. And I hit upon that, and so I invited him to come join us. And uh, there's a woman in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, um, named Jenny Baker, and she is uh, doing another art project, or it's an art-slash-poetry project in which she's erasing pages of infinite just to form sort of found poetry out of the pages. Um, there's another woman uh, in Detroit who is uh, doing um, uh, an, a colored project with infinite jest. Her name is Corey Baldoff and she, uh, and, and so she, her, uh, her art project involves pulling all the rep color references out of the book. There's a guy in California who did an infinite Lego project and there's another guy who in um, in Canada um, who did uh, who is doing a David Foster Wallace podcast, and those two are um, Ryan Blank and David Laird, respectively. So these other five individuals became kind of this core group that I um, pulled in, and you know through sort of uh, this groundswell of effort between us all and among us all, we um, Started building this thing, and more, you know, more and more readers came in and and, and generated a lot of interest. Yeah, as far as how the, the reading works, you know, basically, 
we stole a lot of things from Infinite Summer, you know, a schedule that was based upon 13 weeks at 75 pages per week, for instance. Um, and all of our discussion takes place online, obviously, in various places. Yes, and um, I, I imagine, so you're providing, I, I've had a little bit of a look at the site, you're providing lots of additional resources for readers to help make it a bit more of a multimedia. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and in addition to, to uh, those of us who are sort of leading the effort, the guides, we have a, a number of guest bloggers um, from around the Internet, and we're in you know a variety of different places. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. Uh, there's a discussion board on Reddit. Um, just and so, in addition to in the comments on the blog, the discussion happens all over the place. It's really neat. Yeah, and and do you find? I mean, this is your second reading, right? Do you find that it's um that your reading is effectively being expanded not only by these additional multimedia resources from I guess hardcore fans, but also by maybe insights and perspectives from from new readers that it's you know it's a bigger reading for the group. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, and, and you know also, um, yeah. So yeah, my my experience is is much bigger this time than it was last time. That comes from uh, you know as I've already said, you know having an idea about what's going on, so really going more deeply into the novel. But also, as you say, the um, the experience of others being so you know important in sort of raising my awareness of various elements of the novel. Um, and the fact that I'm really integrally involved and I can't just sort of extricate myself and I can't like kind of let, let a week slip by or anything, you know, I'm reading everything, everybody's writing about this stuff. So it's really, it's really, um, it's a very deep reading, you know, um, immersive, and, I should think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, um, uh, it's, it's different, you know, you know how sometimes, a novel will, you know, rocket you through its pages, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is not that novel, and and it's like it's more about, you know, I'm not trying to get to to, to a point where I'm going to find out something or resolve something or get to the end of the book or any any of that sort of thing, but I'm sort of in this place where I'm kind of, you know, hunkering down in whatever the present moment of the page is, and really discovering stuff inside of that. And you know, the thing about Wallace's writing, as you know, um, there's a lot. Them to discover. Yes, and is that part of why, not just why you need Infinite Winter um, to support readers, and I guess you don't need it, but why Infinite Winter works, um, but also why 20 years, you know, why it's still here, why people are still tackling it, even though it's it's difficult, and even though perhaps many readers have shortened attention spans from where we were 20 years ago, there's a lot more bombarding us from a media point of view but, um, than there was 20 years ago. It's a different world, world really. Um, but nevertheless, the book has survived. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, and that's the thing, oh, that's sort of a question in my mind, but but uh, you're absolutely right. The the depth of, of Wallace's writing, the, the amount that you can pull from it, uh, it, it warrants this kind of um, close reading and and discussion and um, yeah. you know the sort of thing you, not every book really warrants you know you couldn't do this with every book right no no absolutely not some books and some books don't even warrant a second reading um, right but it sounds like this not only warrants multiple readings you know that's its reputation but also provides a kind of continual source it's a kind of mother load isn't it 
It really is. It really is. I mean, and obviously, you know, it goes far deeper than than um, than I go with it. You know, I'm I'm you know I tend to think of myself as as a reader and a, and I am a book reviewer and and I I think I can and write fairly well. But there are you know scholars around the world writing whole books about this book, right? So like. I mean, it goes well beyond anything that I'm ever going to write about. There are people, like, looking at, you know, one, just, you know, there are probably, you know, a thousand different aspects of this book that anybody could take and do a, a dissertation or, or write another book on. Um, and there are so many people doing that sort of thing. Sure. Um, it's sort of a modern the, Ulysses, really, isn't it? As, and I yes. think compared to that. Yeah, it has, right. That's exactly right. Um, and I've never read Ulysses, so, I mean, I guess that could be the next thing. Yes, I'll, I'll swap you. <laughs> swap your reading. <laughs> I have, I ha- actually have secured Infinite Jest, so hopefully it won't just sit on my bookshelf uh, every time I walk by thinking, I've got to read that. Fascinating. Like yeah, you know, many you other catch people. Up with us and enjoy <laughs> us. I don't know. Maybe I'm not fast either. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things I found, and I know they're not even remotely comparable, partly because The Pale King wasn't finished, but one of the things I did note about The Pale King, not about um, Foster Wallace's essays, which I have also read and, and, and loved. But what I did notice about The Pale King was that um, it's pretty dark. Um, there's a, there is a kind of, it's a subtle, but there is a very underlying sense of despair. Uh, I really felt, you know, one third of the way in, um, deeply disturbed. I, I kept going, and, and it's funny, and it's beautiful too, but deeply disturbing on a, a you know, a very, um, seminal sort of level. Are you finding that when you're going so deep into Infinite Jest that it, that it would be easy to get lost? Yeah, I mean there are there are people who speak of getting lost in Infinite Jest in that way. You know, there are people who talk about its sense of loneliness, mm. um, and certainly you can understand why. You know, at the end of Wallace's life, the Pale King might be even more so that way. The um, you know the focus of Infinite Jest the the it's you know sort of uber theme you know it's a big book there are a number of themes it's sort of the the main theme of it is is around escape you know and the various different ways that we try to escape um, through uh, various <clears throat> excuse me various forms of addiction and that sort of thing um, and so it gets into that the nature of addiction and the nature of um, to some extent, depression, and, and uh, to some extent, you know, others, other uh, forms of escape. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's some darkness in there. But the thing that's really intriguing to me is is while Wallace writes extremely well about that, he also he also carries that on a on on a, the sort of humorous plane as well. So throughout the the novel there are um there are there's humor. Um and the humor ranges from uh extreme subtleties uh to just like, you know, blowing your coffee out your nose, laugh out loud kind of humor, you know? Um and he's very good at it. So so yeah, so some, sometimes it can be tough, but, but it's it's a uh, it's a little double edged there between the the the, um, the darkness and the and the humor. Mm. So on Infinite Summer, one of the I read a few of the essays, and um, 
one of the essayists, Avery Edison, talks about retraining his attention span. Um, do you think that's the case? I mean, do you think that's one of the things that um, that the modern reader could learn from picking up a gigantic book like this? And I don't just mean in terms of length, but you know, in terms of breadth as well. Um, that we, you know, we need to recapture that this. We talked a little bit about this, but you know, there's something important, critically important, in the art of a slow, long, immersive reading. I think that I think that's a fascinating idea. You know, I mean, I I agree that. That is uh, that is something that we've we've lost is is attention span our, our willingness to sit with something long or slow or something that's not you know instant gratification every few seconds um, and absolutely I mean the the thing about it is is you know in order to retrain yourself you sort of have to commit to something and and um, and then you know stay with it and so uh, just because a few hundred people end up committing to doing this and you know will they stay with it how many have dropped out already and and how many will do this sort of thing again or read this way when when the um you know when this thing is over i i guess i would argue however that probably the majority of the people who are involved in this venture are not the people who need to retrain themselves most that's a fair point. Are you, what, are you, what sort of stats are you finding? Are people sticking with it? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's honestly, it's hard to say. I'll be honest. I, I have a hard time knowing if people are sticking with it. You know, we've got, um, I forget uh, how many uh, people signed up on uh, on Reddit. There was something like, you know, six, seven hundred or something like that. And there are something in the same vicinity, maybe approaching a thousand people you know, on the Facebook page and some number, some similar number on Twitter. And, um, but that said, you know, a lot of people signed up and said, yeah, I'd love to do this. And God only knows, you know, we're on, we're a little past, you know, we're in, in the mid 300s right now. So a third of the way through the book. And, you know, I think that there probably are some number, there's some number that dropped out around, you know, page 100, 150, who knows, before they got to the, the good part here. Sure. And actually, that's the thing. It's like you know, with a, any other book, you do have to give it a little bit. I, I usually say uh, I won't put down a book unless I I read a hundred pages and see if it see if it grabs me by then. With Infinite Jets being you know a uh, thousand seventy nine pages plus footnotes, um, you have to give it to to three hundred, you know, which is which is a lot of tenacity. Yes. Yes, that's true. Um, I mean, I. I wonder, though, if, it, if it's good enough, I mean, I suspect it is, to have a core of people who finish. I mean, you know, even if you atrophied 70%, you know, if that 30% came back for each season of the year or even once a year to, to reread together, you know, you almost have a kind of Foster Wallace conference of readers. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, you know. And, I, I mean, I'm, honestly, the – the discussion hasn't lagged at all yet, and we still seem to have a lot of people involved. So I haven't seen. I, again, I don't. I can't say I haven't seen an appreciable drop, but but uh, whether it's good enough or not, I'd say um, well, it's certainly good enough for that thirty percent. Yeah, yeah, and and that thirty percent presumably becomes a kind of there's a camaraderie there that that is ongoing. Absolutely. I mean, in fact, I you know I met people again uh, this reading that I remember from. 2009. So, interesting. Yes, 
Yes, that is interesting because I guess you you know you're progressing. It's, it's a connection. It's a sort of a it's almost a portal, isn't it? The book. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, in this way, um, you know, our, our how our lives. It's interesting how you know we're we're speaking you know on Skype um, and from different parts of the world. And it's interesting to me how our life. We do develop these relationships with people through these these online mechanisms and these online ventures and stuff and something like you know reading infinite jests with with someone over the course of 13 weeks and having you know great discussions that's that's a significant event you know that's a significant sharing of 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 commonalities right there yes and and not just uh one that that's moving through space but you know because it's 20 years all up since the book was actually written it's it's almost kind of a a wormhole (laughs) through time it really is. It really is because I mean, because in that wormhole, I, I also engage with other people who maybe aren't reading Infinite Jest right now, but maybe have done so, you know, did so ten years ago. Mm. But that sort of thing are still around in this in this sort of this very um, dedicated community. Mm. So, have you seen the twentieth anniversary uh, anniversary edition of the book yet? I I haven't seen it in person. As a matter of fact, I'm hoping to soon. And what do you think of the idea of a fan design cover? Did you submit something? Uh, I I did not, and and I'll be honest, I wasn't. I I was aware of the uh, of that going on, but I wasn't in the place where that was something I wanted to do at the time. I saw, you know, going going back after after Little Brown had that contest, I saw a bunch of the um, the covers that were submitted and liked a whole bunch of them. Um, this one that they chose by um, uh, Joe Walsh. Um, is uh, is different than a lot of them, um, and not necessarily one I would have expected to be chosen. Um, but it's interesting in its own way, and certainly it um, it does tie into uh, some of the book's material in ways that I probably would be better off not talking about. Mm. But but I suppose it's kind of nice with such a, a maximalist book to have a minimalist cover as well. Yeah, absolutely, and I I so it's uh, you know the. The uh, the blue sky covers have been fairly minimalist, also. Mm. So a, a lot has changed, as we've discussed, um, at least technologically. Maybe not so much with people, but certainly technologically in 20 years. Um, has I know the book has been called prescient, but has anything in it dated for you? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um. Well, you know, I would. There's ways in which, so you're when you write a book in the late 80s and early 90s, there are ways in which you predict that maybe technology is going to go. It doesn't quite go that way. So, so yeah, to to some extent, you know, there there would only be it could only be dated by saying it doesn't have some of the things in our lives that are ubiquitous. You know, like cell phones. Right. Um, however, you know there are a lot of things where it was like, how did he even predict that? How did he predict? You know, one of the things that is frequently talked about is this um, uh, Netflix-like um, video subscription type service. You know, and you know how did how did Wallace come up with that and end up you know uh, nailing it so so well? Uh, I don't know. Um, and I guess you know people can read a lot of things into into the text that maybe aren't really even there, but, um, yeah, no, it doesn't, I guess I would say overall it doesn't necessarily feel dated, um, because it, it exists in this world that still feels 
slightly futuristic, actually. Mm. Yes. So um, what has surprised you most? Has anything really, um, I guess, happened in this particular group reading, maybe, as opposed to uh, in the Infinite um, Summer one, that, that you weren't expecting, that really took you by surprise? I don't know about surprise, uh, actually, but the, the one of the primary differences, and this comes from perhaps the way um, our, our group came together, uh, one of the primary differences, I think, is um, in the um, on the website, the different um, pieces that, that are being posted there. There's an awful lot that's um, uh, not just... Uh, Textual, not just written blogs, but um, there's a lot of art coming through, drawings, the the poetry, and those sorts of things. You know, things, uh, images from uh, Ryan's Lego work, and that sort of thing. All this very visual stuff, and and projects that are um, creative projects based around the book uh, are surfacing, and and people are really commenting a lot on them. Um, there are music projects, you know, in addition to the art projects. So a lot of this stuff, um, it takes on sort of a, a multimedia interaction with the book, which I really like and which is really different from Infinite Summer. Mm. Do, do you think that it's um, it's more egalitarian than you expected? I mean, I, I think always traditionally, and, you, you know, Wallace is from, a, I guess, a university environment, there's been this kind of distinction between books that tend to be read in, in academia as part of classes, for example, and, and stuff that you might pick up to read for your own sake that's not being driven by a, a university professor. Um, do you, are you surprised at all how many people are not particularly associated with a university with this? Is that the kind of popular mass appeal? Um, I don't know if I'd say I'm surprised about it. It's, it's interesting to me to, again, see the, you know, the numbers of people who show up in a David Foster Wallace related venture because uh, his work has just inspired that kind of um, interest and devotion among readers. Uh, and, and yeah, I would say that it certainly crosses all, um, all different parts of society. And uh, has there been anything really bumpy, anything that went kind of went wrong with the group? Mm. Not yet. I hope you're not being prescient now. Yes, I hope not too. And <laughs> any sections now that you know the book? Uh, I won't ask you to give anything away for people who are reading for the first time. But anything you're particularly looking forward to that you think, oh, can't wait till I get to this chapter. <laughs> well, you know, um, that's funny you should say that because I think I'm actually I may be slightly behind this week. Um, I'm not sure if I am or not. I need to go back and look at the schedule. Um, but I believe it's this week that we are looking, we're about to approach a game called Eschaton, um, which is sort of a, um, uh, let's see, what was the, um, uh, was it Matthew Broderick? There was a game, in the, there was a movie in the 80s where he was playing, you know, uh, thermonuclear war with the computer. I think it's called War Games, actually. Anyway, it's this um, Eschaton is a game is a is a game of uh, global warfare designed around the tennis court that the uh, the Enfield Tennis Academy players uh, battle in. So that I'm 
I am simultaneously looking forward to and dreading um, because it's really fascinating, but it's also one of those really long um, bits that, that require um, some amount of patience from a lot of readers. I remember having difficulty with it when I went through it the first time, and I'm, I'm very curious to see how much it intrigues me this time. And do you feel, I guess, a sort of stewardship role as well now? So you can't just sit and read it. You've also got to, you know, get other people through it. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose so. I, you know, I, I do feel uh, that there is a, um, you know, I well, I sort of, I sort of um, built this thing, and I've got to help push it. Um, however, you know, I don't, I don't actually feel the need to cheerlead too much, you know, because I do take the stance that it's not, you know, infinite jest is not for everybody, and uh, you know, as far be it from me to say it's necessarily for you. Fair point. So, is it is it too late to join in? Where can readers find you, and you know, how would you suggest people proceed? Well, uh, I would say um, no. It's not too late to join in. Of course, um, you might not be at the level of same level of discussion as everybody, but certainly uh, there are a lot of readers who are probably behind. Um, we are at infinitewinter.org. Um, and you can find a whole lot of other resources there where people are having these discussions, as I mentioned earlier. And are the people who join in late able to, for example, um, join in at an earlier point in time and continue discussions with other people who are joining at an earlier point of time? Is that is that viable? It's certainly viable, although I'll say this. Um, some of the discussion is set up so – the discussion is really set up so that we don't have any spoilers um, uh, so that no spoilers happen so that the week the reading that we're in at that particular week that's what we're talking about and anything before that that said you know if if things were I would imagine that anybody joining in would be so busy reading trying to catch up that they wouldn't necessarily be trying to read all the things that might spoil their um, spoil their future reading also I'm not sure I'm not entirely convinced that Infinite Jets could be spoiled because um, I don't know that necessarily a comment that someone might make would make much sense to somebody who was 100 pages behind that section. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and do you think you'll do it again? <laughs> You're probably at this point in time thinking, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent question. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't see I don't see um finishing this and then turning back to page 1 and starting over. Um but uh I would imagine there's certainly another read of Infinite just somewhere in my future. Somewhere in the world. <laughs> right. If not in your future. Okay, that's wonderful. Um that is all we have time for today, but Mark Thank, thank you very much for joining us and listeners. Thank you for joining in too. And uh, do go over and check out Infinite Winter. And uh, Mark says it's not too late, so uh, get on it. And um, don't forget to subscribe via the blog, talk radio site, or iTunes, as we have quite a few interesting interviews lined up that I can promise you won't want to miss. Bye for now. <laughs>